Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. Um, I wonder if anybody here, the house lights can come on please, I wonder if anybody here has a very like dramatic friend, you know those friends that just make things more than they are, like it's just a simple conversation, you just, you know, make it more than it is, so you just say very extreme things and all of that, uh, so there was a guy around his babe and then he's like, ah, if that guy comes near my babe again, I'll kill him. We know what you mean is that you'll just be unhappy, not that you can do anything more than that, right? Or, or a lecturer gave you an impromptu test and you're like, ah, I swear, they give us any more impromptu tests, I'm leaving school. You can't, you can't. All that will happen is that you fail that next one and you just come back again, that's all. Not, nothing more than that, right? Or, or there are some people sometimes in your office that your boss has a way of fixing meetings and you're like, ah, that, this old guy just fixing meetings, meetings are too long and all of that, that I'll para for him. But he comes and calls you for a meeting. I say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm grateful to work here, sir. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Um, um, parents that would just make mouth and say, that ah, these children are frustrating me. I would throw them out of the house. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's just this thing of being very dramatic, saying very, very extreme things that if a policeman stops me again, I will snatch the gun and shoot him. <laughs> of course, you know you, know, you know you cannot, right? Um, but, but the thing is, if, if you had a friend called Samson, right? Samson is the guy that when he starts to make what you think are extreme statements, I promise you, maybe he's not exaggerating. Maybe he actually means, if something is like, this guy is annoying me, I'll kill him. What he means is that I'm going to hit him in such a way that he will die. And then we will bury him. That's what something means. It's not like um, figure of speech. Do you get what I'm saying? He literally means, he's like, hey, it's your birthday. Let's pull the house down. He means, let us put our hands on the wall and pull the house down. That's what he means. He doesn't like exaggerate things. So, so growing up, I, I feel like parents were always warning their children about something. Like when Samson was growing up, like, like avoid that guy. Like don't be, don't, if you can be, don't have to be his friend. Like just stay away from him. And like, but that Samson is a nice guy. Okay, but shall I don't argue with him. And but that sometimes Samson and I, we just argue about soccer. I said, don't argue. Neftali, you are my only son. Don't argue with. But that he supports Mayu. Uh huh. But that Mayu always loses. In a hair, lose with him. It is better to lose your football match than lose your soul. You know, just agree with something. Congrats on your win yesterday, right? But, but, but agree with something. Parents would always be wanting their child. So if you don't know anything about something, something is this supernaturally strong guy. He's anointed of God from his birth. He's selected of God to, you know, lead his people. And he's supernaturally strong and all of that. But of course, something has his own weaknesses that kind of caught up with him at different stages of his life. So today we're going to read one story about something. We're going to be together in Judges chapter 15. And we're going to see him in one of his moments and um, find something that I believe is going to be very instructive for every one of us. So let's stand together this morning for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be in Judges chapter 15 and I remind you this morning that the Bible is not just a book of stories, it is life-giving. All right, so we stand this morning to honor God's word. Judges 15, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 20. After a while in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat and he said, let me go into my wife into her room, but her father would not permit him to go in. And your father is like, uh, I actually thought that you, you hadn't been here for a while. So I kind of thought that you hated her. So actually, there's one of your guys. I gave her to your guy. And, uh, but, but then, eh, they, she also has a younger sister who is also not bad. So you can like check out her younger sister. And Samson said, what? This time, I will be blameless regarding the Philistines when I have, I know normally I have trouble, but this time, it's the Philistines that did this one to me. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and, you know, took torches 
turned the fox's tail to tail, put a torch between each of their tails, and when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards. And the, so the idea is that they've hit me, they invaded terrorists, whatever. Now this is retaliation. So is it commensurate? Are we killing civilians? Well, whatever. But he's invading, okay? Then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they answered, ah, it's Samson, the son-in-law of that team night because he had taken his wife and given it to his guy. So the Philistines, who is that guy God? But anyway, so the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson like, uh-uh, no, no, no. Why would you do that? Ah, so Samson was now angry. Why are you born? I actually still like her. So since you do such a thing like this, I will surely now take revenge. And after that one, I will now stop. So he attacked them, hip and thigh, with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Etham. So it gets more interesting because the Philistines now went up and they now started encamping in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi now. This is the whole territory. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? So they answered and said, ah, it's Samson, we have come to arrest him, to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah, 3,000, <laughs> went down to the cleft of the rock of Etham and said to Samson, do you, not know, do you not know, do you not know Samson, that the Philistines, they rule over us. What is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. So they answered and said, oh yeah, we have come to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistine. Leave us out of this. And Samson said to them, okay, you just swear that you will not kill me yourselves. And they said, oh, we won't. Okay. So they took him and they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he had come to Lehi, the Philistines, this is where they spotted. They now started shouting. They came shouting against him. So, ah, uh, the thing that annoyed him. So the spirit of the Lord just came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and just bah, broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it like, bah, bah, bah. I feel like sometimes it's a thousand foolish men because... Did you all line up? Like, why didn't 50 come from the back? But, well, he killed a thousand. All right, ne next verse. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and he called the name of that place Ramath Lehi. And because he became very thirsty, he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that was in Lehi, and the water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called its name El-En-Hakore, which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Before you sit, help me ask somebody next to you. Did you read that much in your Bible this week and just kind of judge them, assess them, and then you can be seated this morning? So can we, can we see together this morning, like the whole aggression of Samson, um, let's pick up the story from where Samson is killing a thousand men. And maybe just read right over that. But like friends, it actually happened. Like Samson killed a thousand men. Like now the whole nation is thrown into mourning. Like he killed them. Like people lost their breadwinners, their fathers. He killed a thousand men. Like an Indian movie script. Like 100 men just came in white suits in a new truck. And they started jumping out. And Samson just taking them, pow, pow, pow. Taking all of them out. Then another one comes. Then some coming like an aeroplane. And then he just, uh, one was about to kill him. He just threw a banana peel. That was just like, uh, you know, 
But Samson basically takes out a thousand men. Like strong guy takes all of them out. The whole nation is thrown into mourning. Everybody is grieving. And then on the other side, we just pick up the story in verse 18 because on the other side, when the fight was now settled, I want you to just come with me to the other side of it. And Samson now has just done this very audacious thing and killed all these guys. But just somewhere in the back scene, we now see him sitting down. Of course, he's the champion. What we expect to meet is just people celebrating Samson or him receiving an award. He's victorious. He's the winner. He's just this strong guy like, and all of that. But where we meet him suddenly is that Samson is dying. So I'm like, what can be killing you? What can kill a killer? What can be killing Samson? He's the killer. But, but interestingly, he's dying because he's thirsty. I'm like, thirsty should be the easiest part of this. 71% of the earth's surface is water. Like, thirsty should not be your issue, Samson. Like, if, if you said the thousand men were killing you, I understand. Like, you're struggling in that. But how do you win that big battle? And now you are actually dying because you are thirsty. I mean, getting water to drink should not be the issue. Water is everywhere. Anybody, I mean, how much more a champion to get water? But literally, Samson on the back scene is dying of thirst. Just somewhere on the backstage of the spotlight of the battle. And the thing is this, friends. What we're going to see today is that true winning, if we're really going to be victorious people, it's not just going to be about our ability in the boxing ring and where we can take out the big opponents. It is also going to be about the backstage and our ability to win with what we call the other things. After winning a big battle, Samson basically sits down and says, I'm dying of thirst. Maybe you know it. Maybe, maybe you get what I'm saying. If you think about your life and just think about the picture of real life that you can be out and you're the life of the party. You have 100,000 followers on social media. You're engaging. Your engagements keep going up and you're so lively everywhere. Everybody is just so fun. But you get home at night and sometimes, honestly, when you lie down on your pillow, you feel like I am actually lonely. I win the big ones. But I know those subtle other... Years ago when I was on campus, I remember I, was, I just handed over leading my fellowship and then I was visiting with a friend who was pastoring another fellowship. They had many members, like 1,500 and all of that. And they had just bought a bus for their fellowship. So that Sunday, I just said, oh, let me just check them out. And I went and visit. And then they said, oh, wow, Pastor Tolu Moody is here. And, you know, and I was there with my suit, like, oh, correct man of God. And so, oh, we celebrate you, sir, blah, 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 and all of that. And so, they now say, oh, in fact, today they've just bought a new bus, and Pastor Tolu will help us dedicate it, or be commissioned, or whatever. I said, wow, and all of that. So, after the service, they took me to where the bus was parked. They had put tape and all of that. You know, you bring scissors. They said the committee members should come and pray for them specially, all of that. You know, scissors, cut, oh, wow. And somebody entered the bus, did test drive around the car, everybody, wow, wow, wow. But here was the problem. Because, you know, somebody else is even passing. Ah, man of God, it's good to see you. I celebrate you. The grace, I covet the grace. Mm, okay. The problem was that after all of that, man of God was broke. So I remember, and I was living in quarters. If you know anything about oil, I was living in quarters. And this BOC, so I start trekking under the odd sun in my suit. I've just dedicated a boss. But on the backside of it, I am broke. Do you know that real feeling of feeling like on the big ones we are there? But just in the subtle things, right after the battle, our champion here is dying of thirst. So here's the big deal, friends. If we are going to be victorious people, we can't just think about the biggest battles. We have to be thinking of what is happening on the other side of the battle. So for a topic this morning, let me speak to you on what I call how to prepare for the day after battle. 
You guys are excited. This is the, this is the joyful service. Do you know I said in first service, people are just starting to cry. I don't, but, but you guys are, you know, yeah. How to prepare for the day after battle. Because we can really be, win the big ones, but lose everything that we fought to win the very next day. Samson can literally defeat all the Philistines and then the very next moment sit down and still die of thirst. We can lose everything we work for. We can win big heights and then still crash low if we are not prepared for it. I feel like asking Samson this morning, you won the big one, why would you die to the easy part? If you did all that it took to win, to kill a thousand men and do all of that, why would you die with the easy one? And what we see with Samson is that we can be so strong and win the big battles but we are susceptible to still dying by just the little practical things. And so today my burden is that if I can show you that true winning is not just about what happens in the boxing ring, but it's also about the backstage after the boxing ring. If I can show you that true victory is not just about being crowned the champion in the ring, but it's also about your success outside of that ring on the backstage when the light is off. And then if I can also show you that God is interested and he's holistic about how he thinks about your life, that he's the God that sees, he's the God that knows, he's the God that is aware of everything everything and he wants to make you truly win through and through. By verse 18 of our text, what we see in Samson is that now Samson has calmed down. You know, just a moment ago when he was killing a thousand men, he was taking them out and the Bible even says he started to compose a song over them. He's giving a rap song, and, you know, with the jawbone of an ass. I've killed a thousand men, heap upon heap with the jawbone of an ass. That was like the verse one. Then he gets to the chorus, started from the bottom, now we're here. And then start, you know, and he's, he's just basically ranting and excited about himself. But the next moment we see is that when he now became thirsty, humility came. So he now cried out to the Lord. Uh, but Samson, when you were rapping just now, you didn't remember the Lord. Who, you know, when life makes you humble. So Samson now said, oh Lord, you have, I recognize, you have given me this great deliverance. But Samson, now you are saying I've killed. Anyway, let's not talk about that. You have given me this great deliverance by the hand. You have done this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And Lord, now let's, let's consider it together, God. Shall I now die of thirst? This is simply that moment where you are made humble. Situation makes you humble. This is that moment where there's an ATM queue. Ten people are on the queue. There are two machines. One excited person comes. You saw ten people queuing behind. You walk past all of them. I went and slaughtered in your car. You now realize, eh. So it's now how to go back and don't again. You now go back, ah, go dispense. Eh, eh. We, we that we lined up, we, we just feel like lining up. You know, situation makes you humble. And this is something in that moment. Situation has made you humble. Maybe it's you when you went to your uncle's office and you just walked past everybody that I'm going to see my uncle. It's the MD. Oh, my uncle, my uncle. You now got there. You knocked on He wasn't around. You now tried his number. He wasn't picking. So you now have to go back to that secretary who had seen you passing. You know she was waiting for you. <laughs> Situation makes you humble. And Samson is in that moment now. But, but the truth is it's actually understandable because our nature as human beings is that we get swamped in the big things. There's this way that when there's a big thing in front of us, that's all we're seeing. It's our human nature to the point of many times underestimating the small things. Maybe this morning as you sit in church, all that is on your mind is the big things, the big things, the next big thing, the next big target in front of you. It's just about graduating from school or it's just about getting that marriage, getting that relationship. All that you're thinking about is who will it be? When will it be? How will it happen? Where will it happen? In my relation, in my mind. So somebody will just say, good morning. You say, yes, I do. You know, like it's all over your mind. Will you volunteer in church? Do they meet life partner? Like it's everything you're thinking about. 
Maybe for you this morning, he's just trying to secure the bag. Secure the bag. You don't even think about anything else. Ethics don't matter. Values don't matter. It's just that one. That's actually our nature as human beings. Or maybe you even just want to japa. You're in that, ah, I'm, just, I'm just trying to japa to meet the next day, whatever. I'm looking for funding. Ah, I'm selling all my properties. Even selling my children. Can anybody buy anything? Like, I just want to, I want to be in the abroad. Let me just have a picture that, you know, you both be behind me. Let me wear a winter jacket to take picture. I just want to go. I just want, all I see is, I don't even see anything happening. All I see then one day after you arrive there, you now ask, what is our plan to raise our children where we don't have community? You know, you just suddenly become aware when all you are seeing was that one big thing. We do see the big things. In fact, walking into church this morning, I'm sure it's so easy to just come in and all you see is like, oh, the stage, the spotlight, who is preaching, what's happening, and who is leading worship. It's really just like, what's happening on the stage? And what you may not realize is that in this, whatever is the big thing, and this looks like the spotlight, do you know that as I stand here, I'm standing on the sacrifice of many faithful people, volunteers everywhere. As I looked out of my office window this morning and seen people arrive early in the morning, you just start seeing and it, there's so many small things, but we don't see that. All you see is, oh, when a church, pastor told this church, eh, who's church? <laughs> we see the big things. But what we see with Samson is that we can win the big battle and still die of ordinary thirst. Let me ask you this morning, you fought so hard and you sacrificed so much to build a successful business. Do you really want to lose it to your poor leadership skills? You work so hard to get these career opportunities that you have. Do you really want to lose it to your rash attitude? Just give everybody a piece of my mind. Do you really want to lose it? One piece, one piece, one piece. Do you have no mind again? <laughs> you work so hard and sacrificed everything, invested, sacrificed, did to build a level of financial success. Do you really want to lose it to not having any structures? Why will you win the big one? And lose it the next day because of thirst. I'm saying to you today, you don't want to lose your wins. You want to be prepared for the day after the battle. You, want to, you don't want to lose your wins. There's a guy in the Bible called Abner. Abner in the Bible is this fierce soldier, mighty man of war. He was Saul's cousin and then was Saul's army commander for a while. And then later on, he became David's army commander. But very, very mighty man, great military guy. Won big battles and all of that. But he actually then dies because there was some fallout, you know, some misunderstanding, blah, 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 conspiracy. He was killed. Now, in 2 Samuel 3, when he was killed, verse 33, David, who is king, is then lamenting over Abner. Listen to David's words. He says, he, he, the king sang a lament over Abner and said, uh, uh, no, now, no. Should Abner, not Abner, should Abner die as a fool dies? Cut the next verse. Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. Like, no, you now, Abner. No, now, Abner, you're mightier than that. You shouldn't die like a fool. Give me your Bible. Oh, no, 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 no. Look at somebody next to you. Say, Ma, ku, iku, ashi, were. Ah. Why, why, why should a mighty man die carelessly? You're stronger than that. That's what David is saying. Like, no, now, you can kill a thousand men. Why should you die for nothing? 
Why should we, we it's a medical emergency, the, the, the heart was failing and then we had to do a heart surgery and they battled through the night and they saved the guy, they did a successful heart surgery. Then the next morning, the patient still died. What happened? There was no fuel in the generator. No now. Why should we win the big one and lose everything we fought for? Why should we not be prepared for the day after battle? That's what I'm asking you this morning. I think about the 10 virgins that Jesus talked about in Matthew 25. He said five of them were wise and five were foolish. And if you know the story about the virgins and all of that, let's just kind of take it together and think about them. Think about it this morning. Why would those five foolish virgins miss out? What disqualified them? And so, in a sense, you can say to our virgin, and that makes some of you uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm shut out. Just calm down. Just wait, wait. Right, but, but let's just say they were all like in the same community, right? Like they were all 10, like 10, and they were all together, nothing wrong. You can't fault them in anything there. But here's the deal. When they didn't have oil, and those other ones said, ah, go and buy oil. Here are two things we noticed. Number one, they actually had the purchasing power of the oil. They didn't miss it because, ah, we don't have anything to buy. No, 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 they went to go and buy. Number two, they knew where they were selling it. Why did they miss out? Because they eventually bought it. They eventually went to where they were. They eventually did it. So why did they miss out? They missed out because of wrong timing. What they should have done before, they just didn't do it. Wrong timing. We'll shut you out of a move. We'll shut you out in a sense of destiny. Wrong timing. Why would you just be late to what you should have done? I think about that. I think of how many times, even in a church service like this, I see people come late sometimes and walk in and not judging anybody, but sometimes there's just that sense of, hey, why didn't you just come five minutes before? You just missed something that could have changed your life. Wrong timing. Because I see you do the hard effort. Here's the point. It's the big effort, the big sacrifice to actually come. It's different if you didn't. But you've done the big one. You woke up in your transport or whatever it cost you to come was the same. But just the timing it could have changed your life. Just a full experience could have changed your life. Could have made something, some change in 10 years. Do you know that some of things changing your experience today? It was 10 years ago unconsciously it entered you. Do you know there are seeds today that is not for now. It's for 10 years time. You don't even know, but it's God saying it's not just about the big battle. It's also about the day after battle. And so at the bottom of this this morning, what I want to say is that we can lose what we want by big effort to the very little things. True victory for us, it's not just about what happens in the boxing ring. It's also about the backstage. So let me try and help you unpack it this morning. Here's how we would win and really win. How we would win the battle and still be strong in the day after the battle. Not that we kill a thousand and die of thirst, but here's how we can win there and win again. Anybody want it this morning? Three things I have to share with you this morning. First thing I'll share with you is the power of preparation. The power of preparation. Don't make my points look stupid. Come on. The power of preparation. You know what, friends? We must be well-prepared people. Prepared for the life that God is calling us into. We must be prepared for our victories, but not just our victories. We must also be prepared for the aftermath of our victories. Let me tell you what I'm saying. You must be prepared for the platforms that your gifting is bringing you into. The things that you are working hard towards, you should be prepared for the victory that is bringing into your life. You should be prepared for the directions that God is bringing you into. You should have disciplines that are prepared to handle the kind of financial breakthrough you are believing God for. You should be prepared for it. You shouldn't be surprised by the fruit of the seeds you are sowing today. 
you are working out and making sacrifices and sowing seeds, then you see the harvest and it's surprised like, oh my God. You should be surprised if you don't see the harvest. Bishop Odebo would say that, that we are here today does not surprise us. If we were not here, we would be surprised. Shouldn't be surprised about the fruit of your faithfulness. And so, what's the way to do that? We should be prepared for it. If you're not here in a relationship, you should be thinking, is there preparation I can be putting in for that season of my life? I should be preparing for where I'm going. If I'm not yet married, I should be thinking, is there if I don't yet have children, is there preparation for that season that is ahead of me? So when you realize this, you will be thinking about what you are becoming, not just what you are achieving. Let me tell you what real success is. Real success is not just about getting somewhere or achieving something. It's about becoming something. True success is what we become. And on account of what we become, then we attract. Say that again. True success is about what we become. On account of what we become, then we attract. True success is not just about achieving. God is all about what he makes us. We must be able to say we are becoming something, not just that we are getting something or achieving something. No, that we are becoming something. God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of men. There's something I am making, not just that I've given you many children. No, no, no. I am making you something. There's a way I'm making you think. There's a training I'm taking you through so that you will think in a particular way. You know why? I am preparing you so that when you win the battle, the day after the battle, that victory will not destroy you. Made you. Father of many nations, I'm asking you this morning, can God say to you, I have made you anything or I'm making you? Are you conscious of that process in your life? God is saying, I'm making you a good steward of success. I'm making you a good steward of relationships. I'm making you a good steward of your finances. I'm making you a good steward of your emotions. I'm, I'm making you a good steward even of your life. Do you have that sense of God is training me and preparing me? James chapter one, verse two, consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges. Two interesting words there. Tests and challenges. Somebody said tests and challenges. Maybe you've seen a few. But it says when they come at you from all sides. It says think of it as a gift. You know why? Look at verse 3. You know that under pressure. Anybody been under a little pressure here and there? Little, little. Okay, pressure. Anybody? Your whole life is just pleasure. Anybody? One or two people pressure. Okay. Your faith life is forced into the open. And it shows its true colors. Look at verse 4. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Allow. That is let. It's on you to do. Let it do its work so you can become. Become. That's the word. Become. Mature. And well developed. Not deficient in any way. The pressure of today is not about today. It's about something you are becoming. The tests and challenges of today are not about today. It's about something that you are becoming. It's a journey of becoming. And so it says you allow it. You receive training. You allow it so that you will be well developed. Not deficient in any way. God loves to train us. Even when God brings us into his house, I do believe that church is a training ground. I do believe that the processes God will work you through are training grounds. It's like you are in a training, alright? Whether it's joining a life group, whether it's volunteering, whether it's being in the house of God, you are being trained about handling your finance, handling your emotions, handling relationships, handling service, handling leadership. You are being trained. You are being made into something, alright? It would stretch you a little here and there. And this is the good news, especially about church one. Many of you get to learn things here, eh? Without, with little, you know, things that, mistakes that if you make outside, you can be prosecuted for. You make those kind of mistakes in the house of God, you are still loved for it. You don't know that. There are mistakes you make outside, you can be arrested. Arrested. But you are loved and supported. And here's the good thing about God's training. What God does in you is applicable everywhere. 
Some of you know that on your jobs you are better because of your service in the house of God. You know it now. Carry things from here to go and apply your business. Thank God for it because you are partakers of grace. That's how it happens. God is training. God loves to train you. So give yourself to it. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Be given to God's holistic process. It's not punishment. It's called discipline. Verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. It's a language of conversation. It's talking to you as a son. My son, do not despise. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. It's his love. He scourges every son who he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. There's a level of... See, sonship conversation is inheritance conversation. There's a level of conversation you can only be with God when you embrace his discipline. He can't entrust you with anything. It's preparation. Why would he give you a victory when he knows you can't handle the outcome of that victory? It's preparation. God wants to deal with you as a son. It's a mature conversation. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate. You are not sons. A proof of your sonship is that you embrace God's discipline. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more, somebody say much more, readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live. This is how we get life. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit. It's for your profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. That's how it seems. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to the people that have allowed themselves to be trained by it. Somebody say, I'm all in to be prepared by God. Somebody online, type it out. Let's say it one more time. I'm all in. Say like you really mean it. I'm all in to be prepared by God. Second thing I would encourage you this morning is that you want to keep an eye on all your tanks. Keep an eye on all your tanks. When you're driving, and you know how on your dashboard, you, you, you see those gauges, you know, pointing at you and all of that. Of course, now, the, the big one that is staring at you is your fuel tank. It's your fuel tank. You know, uh, how many of you this morning have your fuel tank around that level? Like, some of you are like, I think the gauge is not working. It's working. It's the amount you buy. <laughs> you know, just seems the uncle, half. <laughs> you didn't write more than that. But there's a way all we see is the big one. It's all about my foot, my foot, my foot. Hey, where's my foot? It's almost like your foot is connected to your blood. My foot, my foot, you know, and all of that. It's all about the big one. That's how we think as human beings. And of course, if your fuel finishes, that car is going to stop. But let me tell you what, there are many other tanks that if they are empty, that car is still going to stop. You have a radiator where you need to fill water. If the water is empty, your car is still going to have issues. If your engine runs out, your engine is still going to knock. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it's not just about the big one. You want to be the kind of person that keeps an eye on all your tanks. Give yourself to being a holistic, all-round person. Don't just be a linear person. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9. Listen to Paul's prayer. We pray for you that you be made. Look at that last line. This we also pray that you be made complete. Be complete. Yoruba people seem to understand this. There's an abuse where they will say your head is not complete. Uriye. Okay. That's to say, there are elements. And Paul prays that you may be made complete. He says the same thing in verse 11. In case you didn't hear that, let's say it again. Finally, brethren, finally, Ophir, we're born, born, born. Oh, one more thing, become complete. 
Be a complete person. Strive towards that. Let me tell you the truth. The day after your battle, when you win the biggest battles of your life, the day after, you are going to need some of the things that the battle so easily makes you neglect. Some of the things that, ah, it's just a battle, it's just to kill them, to kill them. Some of the things that the battle makes you neglect, you are going to need it the very next day. And you can lose everything you want if you don't have them. Let me tell you what I'm saying this morning. You want to secure the bag, secure the bag, secure the bag, and you ruin your health. Secure the bag. The next day, you're going to realize, man, God gave me a body and he wants me to be a steward of this body. A stewardship of my body to take care of my health. Check what needs to be checked. Be aware. Where is it? What am I trying to do? How am I trying? To... Don't say it's just about that. You don't understand. At this stage of my life, you can win the big battle and still lose everything if you don't just keep an eye on all your tanks. Your relationships. Fill your tanks, friends. You should want to japa, japa. You now lie to everybody. Then you now get there. Actually, it was very sorry. It was not sorry. Stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. You started from immigration. You went to call a passport. You killed for... I put suddenly. Don't, because of the big thing, lose others. Be complete. You're going to get to a point in your life where you realize that where relationships should be in your soul, you can't put anything else there. You can't put money there. You can't put anything else. Career achievement, nothing. God said it is not good for the man to be alone. There's something that only human beings can feel. Nothing else can feel. I'm telling you that. You say, don't worry, let's get there. Mm. Get there. Win the big battle on the backside of it. Samson sits down. Says, I'm thirsty. Keep an eye on your tanks. Your finances. Your emotions. Your joy. My personal advice is that don't connect your joy tank to your finance tank. My personal advice. Whether in, whether in a high or in a low. Maybe you're boiling now. Don't connect it. I'm telling you. Whether you're down right now, don't connect it. Your joy. It matters that you live your life with joy. It matters. Don't, you know, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. It says, even though there have been no figs on the vine, and, you know, the, the fig tree may not blossom and no fruit be on the vine, don't, why are you leaving your camera? Stay there. I have a right to go anywhere I want to go. <laughs> Let's celebrate every volunteer this morning. <laughs> I saw you off your camera. <laughs> Who is here? <laughs> I know all of you in production are angry with me. Can you not stay there? I go where I want to go. <laughs> Even though the fruit tree may not blossom, no fruit be on the vine. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Like everything is bad. But yet, somebody say yet. Yes. I will rejoice. <laughs> Nothing around here. Nothing I can see here. But in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Let me tell you all it takes to have joy. If I have salvation in God, he's the God of my salvation. If you can wake up on Monday morning and say, God, you gave me salvation, man, I have a reason for joy. A reason to rejoice. It says rejoice in the Lord always. See, when you disobey that, it's also disobedience. So. It's not only do not fornicate, we obey. But joy is up to me. No, rejoice in the Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, and I see. Rejoice. Lose your joy. Because ah, this is it. Don't lose your joy. 
keep that tank full. Yeah. Let me tell you the good news. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. Do you know why you're weak many times? Do you know why you're broken? Because you have just emptied of joy. One corner everywhere. You are touchy. Slightest things. Leave it alone, leave it alone. It's emptiness of joy. Your tank is low. Fill up some joy. You just realize there's a strength. There's an assurance. Can we take five seconds this morning? Does anybody have any joy? Come on. I will rejoice in the Lord. God of my salvation. Sit down, let me round off. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Can we make a choice this week to say we're going to be joyful? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what you're expecting. The big one, your eyes are on. But I make a choice. This week, I'm going to live my life with joy. I'm going to wake up every morning and start on the front foot of joy. I'm going to start out every season of my life on the front foot of joy. The questions may not yet be answered. There may be no figs on the vine. There may be no money in the account. But I will rejoice in the Lord. Make a choice. And that joy gives you strength. Yeah. Don't lose your peace. Keep an eye on your peace. Don't lose it. Because you had set target for yourself that this year I must marry. So you now enter any kind, any kind. Your peace is, but you just enter. Because I'd make covenant this year. Must not pass by. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what will happen if you don't marry this year. I know, right? But let me tell you what will it, it will just, next year will be another time to try. But don't walk away. There's something about your peace. Listen, you are called to a life of peace. Listen to Colossians 3 verse 15. Let me show you. And let the peace. Somebody says so harmony. Which comes from Christ. Let it rule. It says, do you know the way it rules? It acts as an umpire continually. It's holding whistle. Watch it. In your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. In that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's one body, you are also called. Hear what it's saying. You are called to live in peace. It's a calling. God called you to say there's peace in my heart. Don't walk over it because I just want to secure the bag. I'll take any kind of job. No. Peace must rule. It says, let that peace hold whistle. Let that peace give somebody a red card. Bro, go. You come. A hold whistle, umpire in your heart. Deciding with finality what to do, what not to do. Peace. Don't walk away from your peace. Don't empty your peace tank because I shall want to get this. No, no, no. On the other side of the battle, you realize the day after the battle is as important as the day of the battle. You'll soon realize that you are called to a life of peace. You are called to live in peace. The third thing I'm going to say this morning as I make ready to close this helping anybody today we're not just going to win the battle in the name of Jesus we believe we would win the battles thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph I don't know what the big thing in front of you is this morning how you came to church or maybe it's really staring at you and you feel intimidated in the name of Jesus you're going to win the battle but right after the battle is the day after the battle and you're not going to lose there everything you want you're going to win the battle and win the day after the battle in Jesus name anybody believe that? So the third thing I'm going to say this morning that I want you to hear is that the story is still being told. 
the story is still being told. I want you to know that on the day after battle, when you wake up that next morning, the story is still being told. So listen, friends, don't settle too soon. Don't settle too soon. Maybe you won the battle, but the story is still being told. And maybe this morning, you actually even lost the battle. Maybe your story right now is, man, I failed. I, I'm in debt. Um, something went wrong. I, I, I fell into that temptation. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you actually lost the battle. But listen, the story is still being told. Don't settle too soon. After your last success, after your last failure, the story is still being told. Maybe you're thinking, that, how, how do you say that? That makes me feel like I'm in a forever rat race. Like, I just every one more win will be another pursuit, will be one next day. When will I ever stop to even just catch a breath? The problem we have is that we have idolized bus stops and we've called them destinations. We have seen our bus stops as though that's where we were always going. But it was just a bus stop. It's not the destination we're called to. You just thought about graduation. You thought about getting the job, getting the appointment, you know, getting the children, getting the marriage, getting the relationship. It's like, that's where I'm going. And you became blind to everything else and you idolized that bus stop. And you made it feel like a destination. That's our problem. That's our human condition. But they're all bits and pieces. They're bus stops. They're not destinations. Let me tell you what the big goal is. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Paul praying for the Galatians says, my little children for whom I labor in birth. This is why I strive. This is why I labor. That Christ, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. The ultimate here that God sees is that through everything, that through every test, through every victory here, through every battle you face here, through everything you walk through, that I can bring you to a place where you are conformed to the image of Christ, where Christ is totally formed in you, where your character, your attitude, your pursuits, everything is aligned with who Christ is and Jesus says, that's, that's where I want to get you to. That's where we're going. And so I know you hit a landmark here. I know I got blessed in some way there. I know I overcame a struggle there. But listen, there are bus stops on the way to a bigger destination that God is inviting us to. So the big goal is that through every win, and let me even say this morning also, through every failure, through every one next battle to come, we're being formed into the image of Jesus. Don't settle too soon. Don't settle too soon. Your career, don't settle too soon. In your pursuits, in what you're building, don't settle. Where I've gotten government job, I have job security. Listen, don't settle too soon. Keep adding value. Keep dreaming. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't settle too soon. Lift up your eyes and see that there is more to come. I want to encourage people this morning to dream anew. There's more space on the bandwidth. Whether you're feeling like, oh man, I've seen it all. Let me tell you what it's like. It's like when you're in primary six, you know when you're in primary six or, or grade six or whatever they call it, or basic six, whatever they call it. <laughs> when you're in primary six and you look around your school, you're like the biggest. You know, primary six boys will now be feeling big. Big. And I'll give them prefect. Then I'll call you, my son's school. My son came over there and said, Dad, one of the prophets in our school. I said, Prophet. Uh, what's prophets doing in your school? That's the problem of being pastor's child. Everything to you has to be spiritual. I said, prophet. I said, who's prophet? His sister I said, no, it's not prophet. It's prefect. Said, oh, prefect. Lumpen, prophet. Anyway, but, <laughs> but, but you know, from six child, they don't look big. Look so big. Calling everybody. They ring bell. Go for break time. They instruct everybody. July, woke up. Session end. Then I'll tell them, now that you are going into the world. Then in September, they resume in this school. And as they look at the inhabitants of the land, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They now look like big men. 
You know why? Because at the peak of every dream, it's just an invitation to a new one. And I'm just saying to you, some of you right now in a season of your life where you're like the primary six person, I've seen it all, I've built this up to here, I've won in, char- in my character, I've gotten that victory, but hey, lift up your eyes to the next dream. As long as there's space in the bandwidth, there is still dreaming room. That's what I came to say. There's still room to dream. I want to encourage somebody today to be an incurable dreamer, to be a defiant dreamer. Don't settle too soon. You are not too young. You are not too old. Don't settle too soon. God can still do more in your life. Last night, I felt the Lord say to me, and I wrote this down. He said, tell my people to keep dreaming within the bandwidth of redemption and the sponsorship of grace. I'll say that one more time. He said, tell my people to keep dreaming within the bandwidth of redemption. Redemption opens the door of us to become like Jesus. He says, keep dreaming within the bandwidth of redemption and the sponsorship of grace. Keep dreaming. I know your big struggle before was that you used to talk to people anyhow and all of that. And now you've won that. Now keep dreaming and say, let Christ be formed in me and you. There's a new character pursuit that I can get. I know before it was just about starting something and standing it up. Now your business is standing. Dream again. There is more prosperity God can bring in your life. Genesis 26 and verse 13. It says of Isaac that he began to prosper. But that's not the end. He continued to prosper. That's still not the end until he, some of you have stopped too soon some of you called a destination what was just a bus stop some of you settled too early until he became very prosperous there's more God can do in your life on the sponsorship of grace in the bandwidth of redemption there is more dreaming space there is more God can do on your home I know now the fights are settled you are no longer fighting yourselves and all of that and you now feel like at least we're in a good place that's beautiful but that gives you ground to start dreaming again and say God what voice are we to others what can you do in and through us there's more God can do I know now you are just in a battle to keep your head above the water academically and now it's like I've finally settled and and all of that. I'm a bit more stable now. Start to dream. Start to say, God, what more do you want to do in my life? In the bandwidth of redemption and the sponsorship of grace. There's more that God can do in your life. Who says amen this morning? You've got to be an incurable dreamer. Don't lose your hunger. That big one that you fought and it's beautiful that you won it. But listen, right after that big one, there's a next battle waiting for you. It's a new victory that is waiting on you. So glad that now you have broken that struggle with pornography and all of that. And, and then, because, because where you were then, you know, that, that was the scale of your spirituality. The day that you did not, you are a good Christian. So even when you are writing prayer requests, if you can just say that I kept one week clean on the calendar, you feel righteous. So now, it's been six months uh, sober. And you just feel like I've arrived. The last victory was the last victory before the next victory. The last victory was the last victory before the next victory. It's time to dream again. It's time to lift up your eyes and say, now there's a higher pedestal. What more will the Lord do in my life and through my life for the sake of his glory, for the prosperity of his kingdom? Come on, as long as we're breathing, there is capacity for us to dream and to say, God, fill us with that hunger. Amen, anybody? Amen, amen. So let me land this morning. Let me come back to Samson as I close this morning. Let me ask you guys, what's the, what's the craziest thing that you've ever done while you were like stalking someone, you had your eyes on someone? Let's do a check in the room and online. What's like the, maybe like craziest thing you've ever done? How many of you opened a new social media account because you were like stalking somebody? Let's just see. Fantastic. Don't judge, don't judge. I'm coming for you also. All right, that's good. How many of you, okay, okay. You didn't open a new social media account, but you followed... 
the person's relatives, like their mother, their sister, their all those kind of things, right? Good. Honest people come for second service. You know, I asked them if first. Anyway, don't let me talk about that. <laughs> but, but okay, how many of you? How many of you started becoming serious with God slash gave your life to Christ slash rededicated your life to Christ slash joined a volunteering team because of somebody that you kind of have. Let's just see your hands this holy morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody online also. Let's know. Let's, let's, let's go. How many of you arranged your timing um, of entering church? Like doors open, but uh, like want to go use the toilet, not yet going in, like just timing it to like slash attended a particular service, second service this morning because slash, let's just see. Fantastic. Good, good, good. You know, you know where, where it always leaves us, we, we can go on and on, but where it always leaves us, you know, some of you went to eat in particular restaurants that normally you wouldn't, and you know, you know where you eat normally, you know your budget, but you now went there, but, but where it always leaves us is this, I, I call it like an, oh, you are here, like, wow, I'm here again, like, <laughs> like, oh, wow, <laughs> nice to see you again, like, uh, oh, you also come here, like, you know, okay. So, so let's go back to Samson. What we see with Samson is that Samson is desperate for water. The Samson is saying, I'm dying of thirst. But it actually isn't just Samson. If you track through scripture, the scripture gives us a lot of stories and it starts out from Genesis and runs all the way to people thirsty. It's a search of water. People are thirsty and dying that spans generations and tribes and tongues and nations. In Genesis 21, we meet Hagar who has been sent away by Abraham and says that I've run out of water. And she says, I'm going to die. And she sits down and puts her son and says, we're both going to die. And she begins to weep and cry and says, because we're going to die, we are thirsty, we've run out of water. In Genesis 26, we see Isaac and the famine and there's no water and the Philistines are taking the well and he's moving from one place and it's a search for water because humanity is thirsty. In Exodus chapter 17, we see Moses and the Israelites in verse 3, they are crying and complaining against Moses and saying, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? We're thirsty. Here again, we're seeing Samson in this place after his biggest battle saying, thirsty and I'm dying. And somehow, I can keep going, but somehow through all these references, we keep seeing like an Oh, you're here again. Water here again. Because Hagar is crying in the middle of a desert and she's saying, I'm going to die because there's no water in this desert. But suddenly God comes and opens her eyes and she sees a well in a desert. It's like, oh, water here. And in the next moment, Isaac is being chased away because they're looking for water in the farming. But everywhere he goes and he digs, water just pops up and like, oh, here again. What we're seeing with, in the wilderness with the Israelites is that they're complaining against Moses. And they're in the wilderness and saying, there's no water and we're going to die. And Moses just looks around and God says, hit that rock. And he hits the rock and water comes out. And it's like, oh, like, here again. Like, oh, wow, you're here. With Samson, as he sat down and he said, he's thirsty and I'm dying. God says, right there, God opened the hollow. And there was water. Like, wow. Let me tell you the secret. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul explains it. He says that that rock that the Israelites drank from, look at it, 1 Corinthians 10. He says that they all drank, it was not just a natural drink, it was a spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock. But guess what? It followed them. 
and the rock was Christ. So as they were traveling in the wilderness, the rock was actually just positioning itself, like stalking them and staying. And when they were ready, and they're like, hey, we're tested. He's like, oh, here I am. And when Samson is like, man, it's over. And, here, and when Hagar is in the wilderness, and she's like, I'm dying of death. He's like, well, that rock was following. But guess what? The rock was not just, it was not just something in the ground. He says it was a person. That water is not just a well. What we're seeing is that it is actually a person. What I came to tell somebody today is that he is a person and he is sufficient for all your thirst. So he stood in John chapter 4 with one woman who was longing by a well, physically thirsty but also spiritually thirsty. And she was a Samaritan woman being married to five, living with number six and she was standing by a well and here trying to get natural water and he stood by her and why was he there? Because all the disciples had gone to buy food. Why did he go with them? He was just kind of like stalking and staying around. And then it's like, here I am again. And listen to how he introduced himself in John 4 and verse 14. He said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. He comes and he says, I actually come to the thirsty ones. Listen what he says of himself in Isaiah 41 verse 17. Those who are poor and needy search for water, but there isn't any. Their tongues are dry because they are thirsty. But he promises and says, I will help them. I am the Lord. I will not desert them. I am Israel's God. I will help them. I am the Lord. I will not desert them in the middle of that place where they are thirsty. He says, I will come near. I will help them. Do you know how he did it? He came near to your thirst. Better put, he took in himself your thirst. He cried out on that cross and said, I thirst so that he could absorb your thirst and now satisfy your thirst with his sufficiency. So listen to his promise in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 16. He said, you will hunger no more. On the other side of me taking your thirst, he said, you will hunger no more and you will not thirst anymore. He said, I will be the sufficiency for your thirst. So in John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, he stood and he cried out saying, if anybody is thirsty, just come. Just come to me and drink. Come. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Because of Jesus, listen friends, and if you didn't hear anything I've said today, please hear this. Because of Jesus, your thirst is not just satisfied. You actually come to a place where you overflow. The things that you are longing for the most, he said you are thirsty, he said come to me, come, come. As you come to him, I'm not just giving you like a little bit of a drink and touching your tongue. He said out of your belly will actually now flow rivers of living water. And so today I invite every one of us to one that is sufficient. The sufficient one for the moment of your thirst, not just your battle, but the day after your battle, is ready to take the form of your most needy moment. Jesus wants you to think of him as a savior that is sufficient, not just for your battle, but for the day after your battle. Not just for your battle, but for the day. I, I know there's the big battle on your mind right now. You're just thinking, man, I just need safe delivery. And he's saying, yes, I'm sufficient for the battle, but I'm also sufficient for the parenting of that child. And you're thinking, man, I just need to graduate. And he says, yes, I'm sufficient for the graduation, but I'm also sufficient for the life after school that is ahead of you. And you're thinking right this one, man, I just want to jump by. That's the big one in my mind. And he says, well, if it is according to my will, I'm sufficient for you to go. And not just about going, but even the season that is opening up for you, I am sufficient for it. 
You're just thinking about the marriage ceremony, the caterer, the contract. He says, I'm sufficient for everything there. But I'm also su sufficient for your happy married life. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm not just sufficient for your battle, but I'm sufficient for the season that is ahead of you. Today, I came to tell somebody, Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. And as we come to him, and as he prepares us, and as he loads us, and as we give ourselves to him, we find a sufficiency and an overflow, not just to win the battle, but to win in the day after the battle. We will not lose what we want because of the day after the battle, but in Jesus, we are prepared for the seasons ahead. Within the bandwidth of his redemption and the sponsorship of his grace, we will become all that he calls us to be because Jesus is sufficient for us. Anybody believe that this morning? Jesus is sufficient. Father, I thank you this morning for the power of your word and I thank you because you are sufficient in every season that we walk, in every day. I thank you for people fighting battles right now. I thank you, Lord, for people in seasons of their lives. I thank you for people on the other side just needing you to do a work in them. Today we call you our sufficient one and we thank you for it. Establish your word in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen. Amen. If you're not standing, please stand. Let's sing. Courage for my fear Jesus ever near The sound of Calvary Stealing up life in me Corinthians 13 verse 9 on the screen we're going to pray this morning it says for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong but this also we pray that you may be made complete we pray we prayed we don't just desire but we prayed this morning can we pray I want you to pray for yourself this morning say in the name of Jesus I pray that I will be made complete I pray that I'll be well-rounded I'll be well prepared in the name of Jesus. I'm not just winning the big ones, I'm winning on every side. In the name of Jesus, I pray, I will be made complete. Maybe as we speak this morning, you know there are some tanks that are empty in your life. 
pray this morning and say I pray that I will be made complete I'll be made strong on every side in the name of Jesus say God open my eyes make me aware full circle full cycle make me aware that I will be made complete in the name of Jesus somebody come and pray come and pray 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 I will be made complete I don't want to just win the big ones Lord I pray I will be made complete say God do a work in my life God do a work in me I give myself to your training I give myself to your preparation I give myself for you to prepare me for the day after battle not just the day of battle on the other side of this God I will be made complete work on my heart do a work in my emotions do a work in my attitude do a work in my structures God do a work with my disciplines God I will be made complete I don't just want to kill a thousand men and die of thirst God I pray I will be made complete somebody say God make me make me today's one of those days I want us to pray and say God make me the prodigal son came to his father he started out saying father give me but he got to a point he came back and said father make me father make me make me make me faithful make me a good steward make me trustworthy make me responsible make me a father indeed make me a mother indeed make me God Jesus is sufficient Jesus is sufficient where are you thirsty today call out if anybody thirst let him come and drink and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water somebody pray today he's not yet done he's not yet done working in your life God has not yet done all that he can do the story is still being told somebody say God help me to lift up my eyes to dream again to believe again make me God God fill my tanks help me help me God maybe you know right now you are low on some tanks you are low in your joy you are low emotionally say God please help me I cry out to you God Samson called out to God and he gave him the water God I call out to you fill my cup I lift it up God fill my cup help me help me God help me help my attitude help me in my struggle help me God I don't want to lose to character what I want by gifting God help me help me God I don't want to lose to selfishness what I want by your anointing help me God work on me God make me more like you somebody pray somebody needs this somebody needs this pray set a tone for your life set a tone for what you are becoming not just what you are getting what you are becoming God can do more in your life I don't know who you came to church with today but I want you to pray 
you pray. God, work in my life. I give myself. Deal with me as a son, God. Deal with me as a son. Train me. Expose me right. Teach me, God. Correct me where you need to. I don't want to lose what I want. The day after battle is coming. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to succeed? Are you ready to be famous? Are you ready for the platforms? You're going to win the battle. Are you ready to handle wealth? Say, God, prepare me, train me. I repent today. We have been stingy, we have been selfish. God, help me. Jesus is sufficient. Somebody, you're going to win the battle. You're going to win the battle. I know it like I know my name. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. The battle is not going to get the better of you. You're going to win the battle. You're going to win the battle. Woo. Thank you, Lord. I give myself. Begin a round of your prayers this morning. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say in Jesus' name, I will be made complete. God is working in me. Say I will see well. I will see full circle. I'm not blinded by the big things. I am aware. I am made complete. Say, God is filling all my tanks. I come short in nothing. Say, by Jesus, I win the battles. I don't know what is the big one in front of you right now, but say, in the name of Jesus, I will win the battle. Now say, I will also win the day after the battle. Say, thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph. Say, always, always, always. Always leads me in triumph. Say I am victorious through and through on the day of the battle and on the day after the battle. Say because of Jesus, I will dream anew. Say in the bandwidth of redemption on the sponsorship of grace. I am hungry with new dreams. I will pursue anew. I will be victorious anew. Come on, say I will build. Say I will conquer. I will possess. Say Jesus will be glorified in me. In Jesus' name, who says amen this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to make an invitation this morning and so while we just stay standing if we can. I, I, I want to ask somebody this morning you'd say I'm not in the right place with God I don't know who you are whether you've been coming to church whether you're new or visiting really doesn't matter big question today is can you boldly say you are in the right place with God there's only one way and it's through what Jesus has done for us we put our trust in him he died a death he didn't deserve to die so that we can have a life we don't deserve to have paid the price for our sin of ourselves we're all sinful people we're messed up but we can have a right standing with a holy almighty God 
because we come through what Jesus has done. So maybe you're here today and you say, man, I actually need that. I need to be forgiven. I need to be on the right page with God. This is your moment. I don't know who you are, but I want you to take your chance. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say you are speaking to me, I'm not right with God. I want to be made right. I need my sins forgiven. Maybe at some point in your life you had made a decision, but you know you've walked away. You want today to be the day. The Bible says don't harden your heart. I'm going to count the three right where you are. When you put your hand on your chest, God sees you. Whether you're in the building or you're online, God sees you and he knows you. One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your sincerity across this room this morning. And I also believe people online this morning. That's a miracle happening in your life. Thank you for your sincerity. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. That's awesome. Now, this is a family of the crowd. So we're all going to, we're standing with you because we honor your decision. We want to stand with you as family. And we're going to say these words with you. But as we say it, I want you to say it with boldness, knowing that God hears your voice. So let's all say together this morning, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. So I make today the day that I boldly confess Jesus Christ as my savior and my Lord. Say, please forgive me of everything in the past and please give me a whole new life so I boldly declare that because of Jesus I am a child of God I'm washed clean in your blood say today is a new day for me it's a new life for me I'm in a right standing with God say I will follow Jesus all the days of my life and one day I'll be with him in heaven I believe it in Jesus name Amen. Who loves a miracle? I love it. I love miracles. Amen. Congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There, you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.